If you will be opening your Bibles to Luke 15, Luke chapter 15. Tonight we want to take a look at a familiar parable, uh, one of uh, one of the Lord's favorite parables, it seems, to those who have uh, who enjoy studying those. Of course, we're talking about the parable of the prodigal son. But I want to look at this parable tonight, perhaps a little differently than what normally we look at this parable, instead of uh, focusing in on uh, particular individuals in the parable, as often is the case, the lost son or the, the lost brother who was still at home or uh, whatever the case may be. I want us to look at something just a little bit differently. I want us to look at this parable and maybe we can uh, make some application of it to our lives in, in maybe a little different way. I want us to to take a look at the place in which the lost boy found himself after he chose to go home. After he decided that he would go home. Have you ever considered exactly how he felt? Have you ever thought about his coming to his senses as the Scripture tells us and understanding what he had done and how wrong he was and and the hurt that he had caused and his desire to go back home and maybe he just didn't really know how to go about doing that? Maybe he didn't really know how to go about reaching out to the family that he had harmed and hurt the father and the family left at home. Now he did that. He figured it out, but it must have been very difficult. It must have been difficult and hard for him to come to that. And I've turned, and I have titled the sermon tonight, How to Go Home. How to Go Home. And as far as, as me, personally, I haven't looked at this parable in this way, but I think it is uh, a worthy uh, direction to take in the parable, and I think it is something that the Holy Spirit left for us to uncover. I want us to consider amnesia for just a moment. Amnesia is a very odd case. It's, it's an odd condition, and it involves the loss of memory. Of course, we know that. There are cases of victims throughout the world who have forgotten their names, their addresses, uh, family members, relationships that they have with certain people, and, 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 and never recovered them. There are times when very important facts, that facts known for a lifetime, are presented to these people, and when they're presented to them and the people in connection with them, they just simply don't mean anything to them when they are suffering from what we know as amnesia. The victim has a mental block. He's just simply not able to recall those things in life that were so very important. Even those most important dates and events and people and and things of that nature. A very sad condition when it cannot be recovered. I read about a woman not too awfully long ago, maybe within the last six months or so, and living in California, a young woman, a young mother, and one morning, or in the early hours of the morning, she was discovered walking along a highway in California. Well, someone had called the police, and she wasn't dressed appropriately for, for the time and, and for the weather and, and things of that nature, and so when she was uh, gotten into contact with by the police and they recovered the woman, she couldn't give them any information. She couldn't tell them where, who she was, where she was, uh, where she had been, or how to get home. She didn't know any of those things. Now fortunately, in this particular case, 
she finally did remember who she was, where she had been, how to get home, and all those things. And it was discovered that she had been kidnapped, in fact. And the trauma of it all had induced in her a temporary, short-term type of amnesia. But still, for a period of time, she just didn't know who she was, where she had been, or how to get home. Now, I believe that there are a lot of people in the world who are in that same shape. I believe there are a lot of people in the world who are just like people who have amnesia. But it's just a little bit different. We're talking about spiritual amnesia. We're talking about those who have obeyed the gospel, those who have dedicated themselves to Christ, and for whatever reason, they have left home. And now they find themselves in a position of needing to get home, and maybe they just don't really know how to go about doing that. I think that's a wonderful lesson for us in case we find ourselves in that position of maybe having spiritual amnesia and not knowing how to go home. Now our text under consideration tonight tells us, and not in uncertain terms, how to go home. In the parable of the prodigal son, we hear about a young man who went to his father, and for all intents and purposes, he suffered from spiritual amnesia. He got away from the father's house, he couldn't get back home at least for a period of time, and he suffered for that. I think we can look at his experience and make some kind of application to our lives today in determining how to go home if we find ourselves lost from the Father's house. I want us to learn together from this wonderful parable, perhaps in a little different way. And as we do, in order to be able to answer the question how to go home, we're going to ask three questions. We're going to ask three questions. And I think they will help us in making a successful journey home if we find ourselves out of the Father's house. The first question we want to answer tonight is, when should we go home? When should we go home? Now, to the faithful, that's an easy question, isn't it? Well, you immediately go home when you're lost, right? We, everybody knows that. But does the lost person know that? Does the person with amnesia understand that? No, they don't understand it. They're not getting it. It's not clicking in their minds. They're not seeing what they ought to see. Something's wrong in their lives. When should we go home? Well, we should go home when we discover we've left the Father behind. When we've left the Father behind. The youngest son made a very disrespectful request from his father, didn't he? Now, we're not going to read the the whole parable of the, the prodigal son. We're familiar with it. We're going to mention certain aspects of it and refer back to it. But he did. He made a very disrespectful request. He went to his father and he said, I want my inheritance right now. I don't have time to wait on you to die. In essence, that's what he did. I want my money now. I want to go out and I want to be able to do what I want to do. In fact, he wanted to throw off the authority of his father, didn't he? He didn't want his father looking over his shoulder. He didn't want his father guiding him. He didn't want his father interfering in his business. He wanted to be on his own. And he wanted to live just as if his father were dead. Now for the Christian, when is the best time to go home? And of course this this sermon 
is designed around those who have obeyed the gospel. It's for everyone. But we want to look at this very specific aspect tonight. One that I'm not so sure that we read enough or we hear enough about. When is the best time for the Christian to go home? Of course, instantly, when he realizes he has left home. Isn't that, though, what the prodigal did? As soon as we feel our love for God growing cold, we need to go home. When we feel like our relationship with God is not what it used to be, we need to go home. When we see ourselves straying from the path, brethren, we need to go home. We need to find our way home. As soon as we see those signs, we need to bow in repentance and we need to ask God to forgive us. That's how we go home. But sometimes for the person who is suffering from spiritual amnesia, that's a difficult thing to come to terms with on exactly how to go about doing that. Here's something we need to understand also. The sin of forsaking God. And when we look at this idea of when is the right time to go home or when should we go home, the sin of forsaking God does not have to go to its full maturity level. It doesn't have to go to its fullest measure. Repentance can't avoid all of that, right? We don't have to be like the prodigal son. As soon as we understand something is amiss in our lives, and sometimes we need help with that. Sometimes we need someone to help guide us with that. But we can avoid tragedy. You know, we see a great example of that. We're going, I want us to look at another uh, true life account. Of course, we're talking about a parable tonight. It could have happened or may have happened. But I want us to look at something we know for sure that happened in the life of the Apostle Peter on when to go home. Do you recall when Jesus called Peter to join him on the water? The, the disciples were in the boat and, and they were alone and it was, it was storming a little bit and they saw what they believed to be a spirit coming across the water. They thought it was a ghost. And that's when the, the Lord spoke out and said, Be of good cheer, it's me. And... Peter answered and said to him, recorded in Matthew 14, beginning with verse 28. And Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. What did Peter do? Well, to his credit, when he realized he was sinking, he cried out to Jesus to save him, and I think that's a lesson worth learning. When we look at this idea of Peter, what do we think about? Oh, well, Peter wasn't, wasn't paying attention. Peter was, was prideful. Peter took his eyes off of the Lord, and all that's correct. When we take our eyes off of the Lord, we're going to sink. But what do we never talk about, or at least that I've never heard anyone talk about? When he realized he was sinking, at that moment he cried out for help, said, Lord, save me. He knew he needed to come home, didn't he? He knew there was only one person who could save him, 
from certain death. And that was Jesus. I think he needs credit for that. When do we need to go home? We need to go home when we learn that we leave, have left God behind. But we need to go home when we begin to act like the world. When we begin to behave like the world. When we begin to live like the world. We need to do something. We need to go home. After the young son left his father's house, what happened to him? He went into a downward spiral. We might say the wheels fell off of it. He got off the track. He got out of the road. He, he found himself in the ditch line. Whatever kind of idiom that we can use, we understand bad things began to happen to this young man. And we learn after getting to the far country, he wasted his possessions. Wasted. He wasted him. Now this word, waste, is connected to the idea of winnowing grain. If you look up the word, and it begins to tell you what it means, it means to part, as in winnowing. Now what happens when you winnow grain? I've seen that. You do whatever you need to do to, to break the husk off the seed, whether animals are walking over it, or I've seen in India people put it in the highway and cars run over it or buses run over it. Uh, people can walk on the husks and, and break the seed out of that husk and then they pick it up and they throw it up into the wind and the seed is heavy and it falls down to the ground and the husk is blown away. You part the husk from the seed. That's what he did with his father's living, wasn't it? He parted himself from what his father had honestly and respectfully earned in this life. He wasted it. He took everything that his father had earned, that he had given to him, and he just threw it to the wind, watch it blown away. He just, in essence, gave it away, didn't he? Now, we better understand something in this life. If we don't learn all that we need to learn in this life, and we never will, there's something we better understand. We better understand that there is a difference between a Christian and someone who lives in the world whether we behave that way or not. There is a difference. A Christian will live a certain way and a non-Christian will live in another way. And we better learn that. Paul told those in Corinth, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. he said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But when that line separating a Christian from the world begins to be blurred, we've already left home. It's already happened. We can't live in the world and right up next to the edge, seeing how far I can get without going over. We've already left home when we do that. See, there's a difference between a Christian and someone who lives in the world. Anytime we begin to walk to talk, to act, to look, to think, or anything else like the world, rather than we better go home. And we better seek out some help if we don't know how to get there. We cannot be right with God and live in close relationship with the world. We can't live like the world and be in a right relationship with God. It is impossible. That young man took all the blessings from his father's house and he simply threw them away. But now I want us to notice something else. Isn't that how it always happens? 
Isn't that the state of every Christian who has fallen back into the world? He leaves full of the Father's blessings. And once he gets into the world, he begins to live like the world. Sin steals every one of those blessings. And we end up with nothing. That's why the parable of the prodigal son is such a wonderful parable. Everything in it is just as if it were to happen. What, what will sin take away from us? What did it take away from this young man? Took his peace away, took his assurance away, took his joy away, took his prayer life away, took his devotion away, and it took his love away. How to go home. Why are we out of the house? Because sin evicted us, that's why. And we better go home. That's what happened to this young man. It will take everything of value away from us and leave us spiritually and morally bankrupt and destitute. When we leave the Father's house and we go live in the world, we better come to our senses and we better go home. Peter warned what would happen to people who have obeyed the gospel, have become faithful, go back out into the world. He tells us the end of that, the the end of the road. We know what it is. Notice what Peter said, 2 Peter 2, beginning with verse 20. Speaking of those who have obeyed the gospel, he said, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to this true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's a sad statement when when applied to a person, isn't it? The one who obeyed the gospel, who's been faithful, and he decides for whatever reason to go back into the world. He's like a dog who turns around and eats its own vomit. He's like a pig that's been washed, going back to the mud hole. It's clear when we should go home. But our second question is this. How should we go home? Now we're asking this question, how should we go home in in What state of mind do I need to be in on my way home? Once I've decided to go home, like this prodigal son did, first of all, I must go home with resolve. I have to go home with resolve. The young man made up his mind, didn't he? He said, I am going to go back to my father. And just as he had left everything good behind to go out into the far country, he finally, when he came to himself, decided to leave all of that sinfulness behind and go back to the Father's house. He had resolve. A lot of people don't have that. A lot of people stay stuck in the mire. But we have to decide for ourselves. What is it worth to me to be back in the Father's house living under His blessings? What does that mean to me? Then I have to come to the understanding that I better be willing to pay whatever the price is. Because it is priceless. We see that throughout the other parables that Jesus spoke. The pearl of great price. Right? What was it worth? Well, it was worth everything the man had. He, 
he sold everything he had so he could buy the field where it was. And so he could have it. It takes resolve to go back home. We better be willing to pay the price. And sometimes we're going to have to pay a big price. What do I want? Do I want God more or do I want the world more? I've often said in, a, in, in conversations I've had with people, I say, you know, sometimes we have to give up what we love for what we love more. What we love most, right? John warned us what was in the world. Things that are pathetic. Things that are ungodly. Now what we're talking about, we're talking about the sin of the world, right? 1 John 2.16 For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. If we find ourselves away from home, we should never allow anything to hinder us from returning. Now that's easy for the faithful to understand that. But sometimes the unfaithful need a little help with that. They need to understand that it's worth whatever it costs. Nothing is too expensive to go back home. Friends, jobs, circumstances, interests, addictions, whatever the case may be. Nothing is too expensive to go back home. Nothing is worth as much as going home. When we go home, we should go home with resolve. But we must go home with repentance. Not only did this young man experience a change in circumstances, he experienced a change in heart, which resulted in a change in actions. Someone may have a change of heart, and it never results in a change of action. So that's not repentance, is it? He was willing to confess his wrongs to his father. He was really willing to repent. He was willing to humble himself, place himself underneath the father's authority once again, and to go home. When we answer how to go home, we learn we have to do it on God's terms. We have to go home according to what God says, not according to what we say. It's not an individual effort as far as deciding how to go home, right? He tells us, God will receive us. But if He's going to receive us, we must first repent of our sins, or sin, or whatever the case may be that has separated us and has evicted us from the Father's home. Sin will evict us from the Father's house. John assured us, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what God demands. He demands that. When Simon the sorcerer allowed greed to evict him from the Father's house and Peter admonished him and rebuked him, and he said, ask God to forgive you for that, repent of those things, and you won't be punished for that, he asked Peter to, to pray for him. He repented of those things, Acts eight twenty four. Here's something else repentance will do for us. It will bring us back to humility, won't it? Do you recall when you first obeyed the gospel? And you came up out of the water and you felt like God was so huge in the world and so, so big in your life and you were so small and, and maybe it wore off at some point. I don't know. Maybe it didn't. But we need to learn these things in case it ever does. You know, that's what happened to King Saul, wasn't it? Do you remember what Samuel told him? You were, you were great in the eyes of God when you were small in your own eyes, but then he lost his humility. Repentance will bring us back 
to humility. Notice Psalm 51, 17. David said the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. James commanded us, James 4.10. He said, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. You know what the humble spirit realizes? I don't deserve anything but judgment and punishment. The humble spirit realizes as, as he bows before God that that God owes me nothing in this world but punishment for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. The humble spirit doesn't go to God demanding anything from Him whatsoever. Who in the world could think they could demand something from God? Who could be so arrogant as to demand God save them according to what they say instead of according to what God says? He goes before God willing to be and to do whatever God demands so that he can go back to the Father's house. A humble spirit wants to go home. We know when when to go home. We know how to go home. What do I need to do in order to go home? Let's ask the final question tonight. We're trying to, to determine how to go home. The third question tonight and our final one is, what will we find? When we get home, what will we find? Well, the first thing we will find is, is love. We're going to find love. The young son found at home what was not in the far country. Who loved him in the far country? Who cared for him in the far country? Who wanted to look after his needs in the far country? You know what the, the world offers to us? And it offered it to this young man and he accepted. It brings heartbreak, lost families, lost health, lost friends, and lost souls. That's what the world offers to us. The Father's love was manifest in so many ways as we look at the text. Do you know what the the son found when he went home? He found a waiting and a watching Father, didn't He? There's no doubt in my mind as I read that passage, I can see the Father standing at the road, looking down that road every day, waiting for His Son to come. And you know what fallen Christians need to realize today? God is still waiting. And He wants us to come home. He hasn't stopped looking. Paul told Timothy that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of Christ. 1 Timothy 2.4 He also found a father that was moved with compassion. Don't you know that the father hurt when he saw that son? Don't you know that he felt pain when he saw that boy come up? He must have looked awful. He must have been in poor health, having been living with the pigs, dressed in rags, in filthy. Father didn't care about that. Do you know what he cared about? He came home. He wanted to come home. And that was where he belonged. He was safe and He was at home. That's why Jesus said that the shepherd would leave the ninety and nine safe sheep and go out into the wilderness and find that one who was lost. Matthew eighteen twelve. Finally, there's something else that He found when He got home. And it's a way that the Father's love was manifest to Him. He found a Father who ran to meet Him. 
he found a father who ran to meet him. You know, I wonder if that elderly father looked silly running up that road. You know, they wore robes, and if they were going to run or do any kind of action, they had to gird up their loins, they had to pull that dress tail up and tie it around their waist and so they could have freedom of movement. I wonder if he looked silly running up that road. You know, I don't know if he looked silly or not, but I know this. He didn't care. He didn't care if he looked silly. Do you remember the punishment for a rebellious and a stubborn son according to the law of Moses? Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. You took him out and you stoned him to death. You delivered him over to the, to the elders of the, the tribe and they took him out and stoned them to death. And I know the father was relieved for his son to have repented. He didn't care if he had to gird up his loins and, and run out to meet the boy. That's what he wanted to do. What do we find when we get home? Well, we're going to find love. But we're also going to find luxury. What did the boy receive? Well, first of all, he was given the best robe, wasn't he? No longer was he filthy in those rags. He was covered. He was covered. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. He was covered. How are we covered? We have our sins covered. We have our sins taken away when we're obedient to God. He was no longer that filthy swine keeper. That old person was gone. The forgiveness of God will remove the stains of sin if we repent of those sins and God cannot wait to give us total restoration. That's what He wants to do. No longer was He filthy, dirty, living out there with the pigs, trying to find out something that He could eat from them. When we seek it out, God will restore us. The son was given a ring to wear. That represented the eternal love. That represented He was back again under the authority of the Father. He had been restored. He was given shoes to put on His feet. Only slaves went barefoot. Not the Son of the Father. He doesn't go barefoot. He wanted the world to know again, this is my Son. He's no longer a slave. He went from being a slave to sin to being a slave for His Father, Matthew 6, 24, a willing slave. Someone who wanted to be in that position. See, He humbled Himself. When we get home, we're going to find a place at the Father's table. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? The fatted calf was only killed on special occasions. I think this qualified. He came home. No longer would He have to wish for for pig's feed. He was restored. He had a place at the Father's table. Why in the world would a Christian want to eat at the trough of the world when he can sit at the Father's table? Because the Father's waiting and His table is spread. That's what we can expect when we get home. There was joy waiting on the Son when He got home. Jesus said, Luke fifteen ten. Likewise I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What great joy happens in heaven when the sinner finally comes to his senses, when he comes to himself and he realizes what he's done and what he needs to do. And God loves that. I think there are a lot of people in the same position as a prodigal son. I think that's sad and, and I think they've, they've wandered away from home and I know it's time for them to return. So what's required? How to go home? Sincere repentance. Confession, asking God to forgive us, and He'll do it. Now we're talking about someone who has obeyed the gospel and has fallen away. That's how they come home. 
But before you can be in a position to come home, you have to first be home, right? The alien sinner has never been in God's house. He's never obeyed the gospel. He's never believed in the proper way that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, John 8, 24. He's never repented of past sins. He's, he's never had that change of heart that results in a change of action. Acts three nineteen. He's never made the good confession that Jesus Christ is who He said He was. That He is the Son of God. That He came up out of the grave, Romans 10, 10. He's never done that. He's never been baptized in water for the remission of sins, just as Ananias told Saul that he needed to do. He said, Saul, why are you waiting? Now remember, Saul had been praying for three days. He had repented. No doubt about it. He came to the realization that Christ was who He said He was. He had just murdered Stephen or helped to murder Him. And He had been praying and fasting for three days, a show of penitence, and He was still lost. Ananias came to Him and said, Why are you waiting after having taught Him the gospel? He said, Arise and be baptized, washing away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord, Acts twenty two sixteen. Then, we have to maintain that, right? And sometimes we get off track and we get out of the Father's house and we have to come home. And I think a lot of people are lost and they don't know how to get home. I think we need to reach out to them. It's up to the faithful to go search them out and help them come back home and explain to them what they need to know. The Father's always waiting. If you have a need to return to Him through repentance and confession, or you have a need to come to Him initially in in, in obedience to the gospel plan of salvation. Let that be known as we stand and as we sing.